In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Okay, well, this week we've got a bit of a, well, I guess it might be a classic, hard to say, Um, but the question I thought I'd kick off with is one that I think I basically know the answer to, but perhaps our listening public doesn't, which is, uh, what are your thoughts on shellfish? Ooh, okay. Okay. Well, I like to eat them. <laughs> yep. Um, I like a nice lobster to mm-hmm. eat. I like some crab legs. I like a soup based in seafood, <laughs> a crab or a lobster bisque. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them in that way. When I was in fifth grade, we had crawfish or crayfish. As little pets in our you classroom. Did? Yeah, I think it's sort of inhumane though, because we would get them from like a little. We got them from like a little creek or something, or like a okay. river. We would did we like fish them out? I don't know. But then we like brought them into our classroom, and to um, like each group of us had one like that little... we owned or something, or one that was like ours. Like, yeah, and. To differentiate them, we would paint different symbols in nail polish on their back. And that's where I think it gets weird. Um, The whole thing sounds pretty weird to me. It's very weird, and I'm not sure why we did it. But I, I, I like, like viscerally remember the day (laughs) when, like, every day almost, we'd come in and they'd be like, Oh, sorry, guys. The one of them died. The the one with the star on its back died, or the one. And I remember very, very much. So the day you came in, they're like, "Sorry, everybody. The one with like this symbol died." And I was like, "No, my crayfish." (laughs) Um, But it was a weird thing. It is a weird thing. But besides that, I don't know that I have like a particular opinion on shellfish. Yeah, that is that is a weird story that I never <laughs> knew about. You never did that in your that I thought that was like a I mean, thing we did. I can't remember if it was exactly I, what grade it was. But. I remember re- doing the chicken hatchling experiment. Oh, like, see, I don't doing remember that. doing that. Or was mm. it chickens or was it ducks? It was it was something where <gasps> that's cute. But yeah. then I feel like, what do you do with them? Those are like real animals. Crayfish, I feel like, kind of always die. Yeah, I like, 
they're easy to dispose of and stuff. Yeah. But a duckling is like a real ass animal. Maybe it wasn't a duckling. Maybe it was just chicks. I but it was. I do remember where it was that you get the eggs and you like put them under a warming lamp, and then you yeah. wait and wait some amount of time, and then yeah. all of a sudden there's like one kid there's who screams. In the room. <laughs> yeah, like one kid screams out. Um, hmm. so I know, I know I, I did that, that as a child. Um, the crayfish you thing didn't do the crayfish. might have been like your specific teacher's weirdness or something. <laughs> I, it was weird and it's I don't know what it weird. taught us. No, like, that's I, like, what I don't see. That's the thing is I feel like the reason you get the chick experiment thing, and I use the term experiment rather loosely, um, is yeah. like because you were learning about like a life cycle and you would be like, yeah. okay, so first the egg comes and then like somehow the, I don't get, I guess the egg is inseminated even before it's laid, but like anyway, that whole, so you're learning yeah. about that while you're also having the chicks in the room, you know, sort of yeah. thing. I don't know what a crayfish like in- would do. I don't either, because it definitely we weren't learning about any types of life cycle stuff. I just feel like it was like now we're gonna watch some little animals die. <laughs> I mean, I, it it seems cruel thinking back to it. I, we weren't meaning to be cruel, but it just seems like yeah. I mean, why or what? I know, I, and I know that kids like animals. It's weird, yeah. like because also like a crayfish doesn't even seem like the sort of animal that kids would. Like bond no, they're not like cuddly or much anything. Or anything. I mean, I again, I remember being sad when mine died, but like I was, but again, we also like what did we have that could have sustained their life in a classroom? Like I don't know, we, we did not have crayfish food. I don't no. know, like I don't remember. Well, how and also we expected they were gonna live. These must. I don't be... know. It's very weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, and anyway, the point <laughs> is, if I had known. Honestly, I was like, we're going to talk about some of our fr- best shrimp and lobster dishes, and that's all we're going to talk about in this Oh, yeah, now. and shrimp. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, if I, I want complete transparency for our listeners. If I had known this weird crayfish story were what we would get <laughs> out of my question, I, I would have been over the moon to know that we'd actually have something semi-interesting to say rather than just <laughs> listing the various types of dishes with shellfish in it. It's just that really we like. Yeah. Um, and let me tell you, like, as a foreshadowing to what we're going to be talking about, had we gotten these crayfish from, like, a, let's say a radioactive creek <laughs> and then, like... <laughs> In the classroom one day. Actually, that would be fucking awesome. But, like, when the in the classroom one day we came in and the crayfish was, like, the size of a human and was like, bitch, you took me out of my home and, was, and now I'm the size of you. I'm going to eat you. Yeah, and was speaking to you through mind communications. Yeah. Um, that, that would be, would be quite wild. something. So, hello, everyone. Welcome to See You Next <laughs> Week in Space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. So, Amy, why don't you say what we're talking about this week? <laughs> so, we're talking about a movie from, I guess it's a movie, from yes. 1957. Okay. Um, called Attack of the Crab Monsters. 
Yes. Dun, dun, and dun. <laughs> I just and feel like it should have that the, afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. But, and it's pretty, it explains what the movie is in the title. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. You know precisely where it's going to be. <laughs> um, now, well, you know that crab monsters are going to attack. What you don't know yeah. is why are why? they attacking? Why do they exist? Where will they be attacking? Who yeah. will they be attacking? How will they be attacking? You just know that they're attacking. Now, yeah. the IMDb description of this film is as follows. Scientists become trapped on a shrinking island with intelligent, murderous, giant crabs. Um, Rough. The intelligent part is the scary part, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think that... I mean, we can talk about it. I don't know that I'd call this movie scary. Um, but yes, the oh, intelligence no, no, no. part is off-putting. I'll say that. It is very off-putting. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, like... It's the scary... I think in the the murderer <laughs> in any type of, like, horror movie or horror-adjacent movie, if the murderer is actually intelligent that is that makes it scary Scarier. because if yeah. they're just like a dum-dum yeah or if it's like you know in the birds for example right <laughs> they seem a little smart like they seem they like do they're seem a like bit... they have some sort of an intelligence at play yeah 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 and this is i mean here it's even different than that so like yeah um this is a movie i think part of the reason you asked that is because it Short, right? Yeah, which yeah. I like in a movie. But yes, this was still. like this was like a mere sixty-three minutes. Um, Love it, and that is because it is a Roger Corman movie. Um, he is a very famous early days uh, science fiction and horror um, producer and director. Um, this mm-hmm. was part of a double feature, where the other companion movie was called Not of This Earth, so presumably something about aliens or space. An alien. Um, in this case, uh, when I was doing my research, the main writer of this movie is Charles B. Griffith, and okay. according to him, Corman basically was like, I've already got the title, it's called Attack of the Crab Monsters, so write <laughs> that, and Griffith was like, got it. Um, and then I feel like, I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of the stuff that we talk about or even maybe not, but like some of the things that have like the best titles, you can almost tell the title came first and they wrote around the title. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) so he says that. And then the other thing that Corbin told Griffith is he's like, I want every scene to have either some sort of action sequence or suspense in it. And so hmm. basically what basically what that meant is like I don't want any character development at all. Like I don't care about that. Um yeah. I just want And you know, I don't hate that. But I'm not sure that every scene quite gave me action or suspense, but well, maybe in 1957 enough, it was yeah, a little bit more action and suspense than Maybe. it is now. Maybe. Um, but yeah, he basically was like, the whole point of this is just 
like each scene is going to I don't even know if build on each other is really the way I'd say it but he was like don't even like try and do anything other than that because he basically told Griffith (laughs) I will cut it if it doesn't have what I want so just go ahead and get going (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that because I do feel like there are, again, with a lot of the things we watch where uh, writers, producers, directors, whoever they are, are very self-indulgent and they want it to mm. be 100 years long and they want to have, like, a huge setup. And, like, I, I, I'm not into that either. So, like, I appreciate the brevity. Yes. I mean, yeah. I, I th- We can talk about what we think might constitute action or suspense in these scenes. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is, and, and I will say comparatively speaking, so like last week we watched something that was 56 minutes long and I had about three handwritten pages of notes this week. Mm. We watched something that was 64 or five minutes long and I have two, four, (laughs) six, seven pages of notes. Um, so there was definitely more stuff happening. (laughs) Yeah, and I'll say this, like, the thing we watched last week was from 2020s. This year, basically, yeah. This year, yeah. And was maybe 10 minutes shorter, and yeah. I was infinitely more bored by that <laughs> than this thing from 1957, which, like, a lot of people, I feel like, inherently, it's old, it's black and right. white, I'm going to be right. bored. Yeah. Um, way more entertained by this than the thing we watched last week. For sure. I I would agree. Although I must say right now from the very top, this is no um, wasp woman. This is, that is. No, it's uh, not like the best thing or any, by any means, but. But it is. The guy, the dude with the sunglasses. At one point I was like, oh, he has sunglasses sunglasses all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we get into him, though, because we'll, Sorry. we can talk. No, there we we should we should talk about sunglasses, man. Um, <laughs> the underwater scenes here were filmed at a place called Marineland. Um, like the whole movie mm. is shot in California, unsurprisingly, the mm-hmm. underwater scenes in Marineland, which mm. was an oceanarium, the largest oceanarium I think on the West Coast is what I learned. Um, and that opened in 1954 um, and eventually became SeaWorld in 1987. Um, I was curious about how they did the underwater filming. Yeah. I, I, I assumed it must be some sort of tank situation, but um, yeah. that is yeah. interesting. Yeah, because I, I think I, if I remember correctly, Griffith even sh- maybe was allowed to shoot those scenes. Like he asked... Corman, if Mm. he could do the underwater direction, and he said yes. And there was Mm. somebody like banging on a tank while somebody else is like (laughs) trying to tell the actors what to do. Um, Wow, weird. Yeah. Now, in terms of like kind of the performance of this movie, this was one of the ones I guess that put Corman more onto the radar because at the time it earned about a million dollars. Um, this is according to Wikipedia. And so mm. up to this time, Attack of the oh, Crab... Wow, a million dollars seems like a lot. Yeah. I mean... Back then, right? Consider, I don't know how much a movie ticket was in 57, but it's prop. I mean... Cheap, yeah. I think. Five Mom, cents? Can you ten tell cents? Us? I don't know. <laughs> um, 
But anyway, so like up until that point, this was the most profitable movie he'd ever hmm. done. Um, so kind of cool. Up and he did attribute it to the title. He was like, everyone Absolutely. wanted to see Attack of the Crab Monsters. So, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I mean it's it's part of the reason I caught it caught my eye as well. <laughs> um, so now let's turn to the cast who, uh, I will, in full transparency, I didn't know anyone's name Mm-mm. in this movie with the exception of eventually I figured out the woman's name because she was the only woman in it. Um, yeah. I did feel like I, I didn't look anything up and now I'm seeing what you wrote and I'm feeling vindicated because I recognized one guy and one guy only. And I was thinking I recognized him from something, but I wasn't sure. Okay. I'll tell you when. Okay. Um, So the first character who I just started calling chest hair eventually. um, I honestly, to be fair, don't really remember anyone except for like in my mind. Sunglasses guy. Sunglasses guy, the professor, and the lady. Like, the, that's how I know that. <laughs> Those are the only three I remember. Yeah. Dale, the character is called Dale Brewer. I called him chest hair because he was, <laughs> like, the, he was like the only guy who did any of the deep sea diving, and he had really oh, quite a lot guy. of chest hair. Um, okay. <laughs> so the character's name is Dale Brewer. I don't know how you would ever know that. Um, yeah. It's played... He's played by a 30-year-old Richard Garland, um, whose first credit, like, is in 1951. Um, Okay. And this is, like, again, most of the time when we talk about casts, there's kind of a thread that runs through them all. And here, because of, like, the time and place Mm -hmm. of this movie, almost everyone has a significant amount of credits in Westerns both TV and movies because it's like, you know, the 40s and 50s. So, like, everyone's Mm -hmm. in a bunch of them. He, in particular, is Mm -hmm. in a bunch. Um, For our mother, uh, this actor appeared in the movie Friendly Persuasion um, in 1956. Uh, So, this that was his credit immediately before this. He was in Friendly Persuasion. Which is, is a that, movie... I don't know anything about that movie. I know that I've watched it because mom loved it. Um, mm. And it is about a family of Quakers in the Civil War. Ick. That sounds so boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why would you watch that? I don't know. I don't know. Ew. Mom, um, that sounds so boring. I don't recall being bored per se, but I do remember thinking we it watched was a lot of weird slow moving. <laughs> we watched a lot of weird stuff that I don't think other kids watched, and I don't oh, mean that as like an not. attack. I no. just think that like we were weird. Like, yeah, this looks terrible. Just the pictures. <laughs> I'm just looking at the <laughs> pictures of it, and it looks real boring. Um, anyway. No, it's true. It's true. And the way I describe it now is like mom and dad loved content and like 
and I would describe myself the same way. Like, I'm very open to all types of music and most types of TV and movies, and especially movies where it's like, I don't, like, it's hard to get me to convince me to watch, like, a TV show sometimes, because I'm like, ugh, there's, like, so many hours of that, like, I don't want to commit. But a movie, I'm like... Oh, this is only like a ninety minutes. I can do two hours okay. of this. Yeah. yeah, or like up to two and hours. Well, like it's like, oh, I'll just give it a watch. Like if I hate it, then I hate it. Like oh well, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I I feel like we watched a lot of like definitely stuff that was not kid stuff, no. and definitely more like period pieces. And I feel like yeah. a lot of kids our age might have. Yeah. I don't think any of it was like inappropriate or like no. we were like seeing anything we shouldn't see, but I. I do think, like, even when I think now, we weren't a household. We weren't a household with a lot of kid nonsense. Um, No, not really. Other than TV show. Other than we. Other than the little copious amount of Disney movies we had. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's true. Lots of Disney movies, and I know that, like, when we were little, little, I think we watched Sesame Street and all of those types of things. But. I don't remember watching we a lot of like no, kid shows. We did we were not a family that had like a million Raffi records or like kids <laughs> kids like kids music. Kids music in particular was not a thing we really had at the house. Yeah. Um like we had I remember the friendly persuasion, that looks boring as hell, I mean I I, say. all like, I can yuck. say is I know I've watched it. Uh, I couldn't tell oh, you much about it, boring. but I know I've watched it. <laughs> Um, this guy also played Constable Clay Horton in Lassie. Um, I do like that. Yeah. And then he, uh, just had a bunch of TV stuff going pretty hmm. much for the rest of his career. Um, next there's a character called Martha Hunter. I did eventually work out her name was Martha. Um, and that was is she played, the lady? She is the lady. Okay. <laughs> who else, like, who else would be called Martha in this group? Other well, than later the there's someone named Dark. Uh, yeah, I know. But there's other someone else named Leslie. Is that a man? Um, I guess so. That's yes, Dar- yes. Dr. Carl. Yeah, yeah, got it, um, got it, got it. So that's played by a 33-year-old Pamela Duncan, um, who, her real name is Phyllis Rita De Simone, which I'm like, I think I like Phyllis Reed so much better. more than Pamela Duncan. Like, Yeah, but I think my guess is, yeah, Pamela Duncan is bad in my opinion, but I think probably in the 50s, Pamela Duncan sounds much more something American. I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, much more like. Yeah, sure, but I'm like, you could just be Phyllis. De Simone, I think that seems that's okay. true. <laughs> or Rita De Simone. Well, Rita no, De Simone, I think is see, really pretty. I was gonna say that as well, but I was like, Rita De Simone will sound too ethnic in the fifties. So, yeah, but I like that. I mean, yeah, I but know. you're right. I think I think you're right. That, but yeah. Rita De Simone is pretty. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's why I was like, her real name's Phyllis Rita De Simone, and her stage name is Pamela Duncan. Like. The hell? Yeah, what went real wrong? bad. Um, her first credit is in 1950. Um, she does a lot of TV stuff as well. Um, she mm. appeared in a show we've talked about, Rocky Jones Space Ranger. Um, she Don't also that. it's okay. Um, <laughs> she also 
appeared in a, another Corman vehicle called The Undead this same year, 1957, hmm. and she plays a dual role in that. I can't remember now hmm. if she like plays her own twin or but something like that. Mm, that's um, fine. I always love that twist. Yeah. Um, speaking <laughs> of, speaking of, I just watched A Simple Favor last night, and they have that in that movie as well. Um, oh, I've watched that movie. Wait, that's the one with Anna Kendrick and yeah, Blake um, Lively. Blake Lively. Yeah, love that one. <laughs> yeah, I, it was one of those ones at the end where I was like, "Did I get what happened, or do I not get?" Yeah, it? and and I was like, "I don't know if I get it." <laughs> but yeah, I um, can see that. Or what I mean to say is, I got the twist and I figured it out, but I was like, "Wait a second, it isn't Anna Kendrick also bad." Doesn't she have to go to jail yes. or something? <laughs> um, yes. Bas- yeah. Yeah. I, then, I forget when I watched that movie, but yeah, basically everyone should be in jail at the end of yeah, that Yeah. But then she doesn't go to jail, which I, anyway, we don't, we can't get sidetracked yeah. by that. But, um, <laughs> so she as well as in a bunch of TV Westerns, um, but mm. her career seems to rise and fall quite quickly because by 1964, She's in one thing and then basically is gone from the scene after Hmm. that. Um, Then we have a character called Hank Chapman. I did not know his name was Hank. Um, I thought he was Jim for most of the movie, but that's a different guy. Um, I did not know anybody's names. He is played by a 33-year-old Russell Johnson. Now, is this the person you recognize? Yeah. Okay. I was, I was, I'm proud of myself that I was right, but I, and I just thought I was crazy. I was like, ah, you know, people in the 50s all kind of looked the same. But the whole time I was watching it, I was like, he looks like the professor from Gilligan's Island. (laughs) He's giving me (laughs) the professor vibes. I can't even believe that because when I was doing this, I was like, he was the professor. Like, I've heard of Gilligan's Island, and I know I've watched, like, some episodes at some point. Um, oh, I watched, I feel like I watched a good deal of Gilligan's Island for some why? reason. Why? And when? And I where? Feel like, I feel like it was, <laughs> good question, really, but I feel like it was one of those shows that was on if I was ever homesick, and I feel like mm. I would just watch it. And there. Yeah, I don't know why, but I do feel yeah. like I've watched a fair bit of it. <laughs> Well, so, because I was surprised by this. I didn't realize Gilligan's Island only lasted for, like, three seasons, from 64 to 67. And then there was an animated Gilligan show for a while. And then there were various Gilligan's Island TV movies that got (laughs) made, including the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island. Um, What? (laughs) What does that even mean? I don't, I don't even get that. No. I don't know how they end up on Gilligan's Island. Um, that is weird. But so in his case, just as a little bit of a backstory, um, mm-hmm. he served in World War II and broke both ankles, which seems kind of crazy. Damn. Um, and he then used the GI Bill to go to acting school. Um mm-hmm. And from there, his first credit is also in 1950. He's in a variety of different, like, science fiction stuff, especially in these early days. Like, he's in It Came From Outer Space, which apparently is a pretty famous one. Um, Hmm. And then he also is in something called The Space Children. 
Uh, Yikes. Which, that sounds yeah, scary. Concerning. Um, <laughs> then, and he reprises his role as the professor on an episode of ALF later on. Oh, that's funny. Like yeah. he plays the professor from yes. Gilligan's Island on yes. ALF? Correct. Oh, yes. that's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> then we have um, Mr. Sunglasses. Uh, who, whose actual name in the movie is Dr. Carl Weigand. Um, he, I kept thinking, was Jules, but he isn't Jules. Um, was he, a, he was, I thought he was like a cop. I feel like he was dressed like a cop in an well, outfit. Yeah, like I, I mean, he was in an outfit of some kind that was like a was, sheriff-y looking. No, I mean... I no. will say it was... Maybe it's the sunglasses threw me The off. sunglasses, because, yeah, he was wearing the sunglasses for, like, the first half of the movie, I want to say, or, like, most of the movie. Was he wearing all, like, khaki color? Or maybe yes. that's more, like... Okay, so that's more... It's hard more, to I tell when I it's was, black and white, but that's what it looked like to me. So that's, like, so I could see how that's, like, zoologist or whatever yeah. he's supposed to be, but I was reading it as, like, sheriffy somehow. That's fair enough. I mean, he's wearing... The reason why we're calling him Mr. Sunglasses is because <laughs> for easily the first half of the movie, he is wearing sunglasses, and he's the only one wearing sunglasses, and he's also the tallest person in the group, and <laughs> he also wears sunglasses inside for some reason. Yeah. So, like, yeah. it's a very particular weird look. Um, yeah. The guy who plays Carl Weigand is a 50-year-old Leslie Brady. Now, Leslie Brady is English, but the character, Dr. Carl Weigand, I think is supposed to be German. Um, oh, I don't rem- even remember the accent situation. I mean, it was, a, it was vaguely German, I guess I'd say. Okay. Um, and again, the whole, the whole point here is... And I, I, I always feel like that this is important to say because it's something that people sort of forget now. But, like, the reason why there's this German scientist involved is because in the 1950s, a lot of German scientists were working in the United States because the United States took them from Germany and were like, we loved what you were doing with the Nazis. Just go ahead and take out the genocide part and keep doing your research as you've been doing. Yikes. Um... That's and that, a big old yikes. Yep, and that was called Operation Paperclip. Um, it is part of the reason why the American space program went so well so quickly. Um, like Werner Braun, von Braun is one of those guys. Um, huh. And and so you see this a lot. in, And in fact, I think even in the movie The Wasp Woman, we have this as well. You see a lot of this trope in the 1950s of the German scientist coming mm, to the U.S. Okay. Um, so he's doing that. Um, he was in a couple different things that I thought were interesting sounding, such as 1951's <laughs> Wall of Death. Um, Yikes. Don't go near that wall. Um, Seriously. And then also something called Teenage Caveman, which... Now, that sounds interesting. It sounds sort of like Encino Man. I'm just picturing like a caveman on a skateboard or something. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like Marty McFly, but it's a caveman version. Yeah, like a backwards cap on a skateboard and maybe he raps, you know, like something like that. 
Um, I like it. Then there's a character called Jules Devereaux. So for some reason, they've also got this French guy here. Um, although he is also not French. Um, he's played by a 33-year-old Mel Wells, um, who was born in New York City. Um, mm. Mel Wells also appeared in The Undead, uh, alongside hmm. some of these his co-stars in this. Um, most famously, the thing that you would know more than anything is that he plays oh. the original Mr. Mushnick in the original Little Shop of Horrors, oh. which is a Corman, and that's a Corman movie. movie. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. It's all making sense now because that name sounded really familiar, but I wasn't... Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Got it. And he also apparently appears in Chopping Mall, one of your other <sighs> favorite movies. Oh. Hmm, I wonder who he is in that because it's all mainly only teenagers in that Yeah, movie. he would be old by that time, so I'm not... Well, oldish, I guess. I'm not There's sure. probably some old guys who get killed in it. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember either. Um, and then finally. That movie's so funny. It is. I watched it. <laughs> Did I watch it this Halloween season? It might have been this Halloween season. And I was like. That's a good one. I'm not going to oh, lie. Oh, Christ almighty. What is this? Because <laughs> that's one. one. That's the one where, like, the whole mall is, like, automated, right? And then... It's, they have these, like, new, like, security guards that are these robots and they go... right. That's because I was, like, that's what I thought. I was, like, but I remember there also being, like, freestanding robotronic things happening as well that, like, were shooting lasers and stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, And then finally, there is Dr. James Carson... Played by Richard H. Cutting, uh, 40, who was 45 at the time of filming. Um, he also is in a bunch of different westerns. Um, mm. And, like, I don't know if you ever were much of a one for South Pacific, but he plays Admiral Kester in that, the hmm. movie version of that musical. I don't know if I've ever seen the movie version of that show. I know I have at least have you once. Yeah, because oh, who's, maybe I have. Now I can't remember um, if there's anyone. Hold on, let me have a look because I can't remember if there was anyone super. Oh, Mitzi Gaynor, I guess might be one of the most famous ones in that one. Um, is that the lady who plays the lead, whatever her name? Yes, I don't even know the yes. name of the characters in that. And yeah. Nellie Forbush. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, that's Mitzi Gaynor. And she's the one who says, like, um, I'm, she does the I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair yeah. thing. Got it. Um, but no, everyone else would not be super well known, I would say, other than Juanita Hall, who plays... Uh, Bloody Mary and that, and she's the one who sings Bally High. Bally High. Yeah. Got it. Um, but no. I like that show. I haven't seen a version of that show, and they don't do it very much, I don't feel like, but um, that's a good one. That's a fun one. Yeah, there isn't anyone here in the cast of that that I would say stands out to me as, like, for whatever reason, I'm sure they were famous at the time, right? But, like, yeah. um, nobody who's kind of had the same staying power some of the other movies that have been made into or musicals that have been made into yeah. movies. Um, yeah. So anyway, 
we begin this movie uh, with like an animated credit sequence of a sort um, that's showing us a bunch of shipwrecks and underwater scenes. And I was, I was like, oh, surely then a shipwreck is like gonna matter the reason for this to this movie or 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 that it will be a some kind of plot point because they kept showing different shipwrecks and i was like oh that's gotta be some no you you were wrong sarah that absolutely means nothing it's just images (laughs) of what is under the sea and then weirdly so we the opening credits are this these sea images and then we cut to just a voice from nowhere over Images of clouds. And do you want to read what the voiceover says? <laughs> yeah. I didn't remember this, I'll be honest. Um, so, and the Lord said... <laughs> sorry, this is too funny. Do you just um, think it's funny when you say the phrase, the Lord? <laughs> no, it, it was the next part. The next part that it says is very funny. Okay. Um, because it's dark. Um, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowl of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. What does that even mean? Okay. Um, That's from Genesis? Okay, I don't know God stuff. Okay, Uh, I mean, I don't know much God stuff either, but I did look it up. Um, So basically... Wait, so hold on, hold on, hold on. This says here, Genesis 6-7, when God regretted making humanity. That's a thing in the Bible? Yes. That God... Okay, I have some things to talk about then with... (laughs) Christians. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, Acting like... So basically, um, if I understand this correctly, God makes humanity and the world and everything. And then Eve eats the apple and so does um, Adam. And then things start going wrong and God is upset and so I think this appears soon before God sends the flood. And the purpose of the flood is to wipe away all of like the mistakes and all bad things that have happened. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, this God regrets making humanity. Um, and I that's, mean, he's not wrong, but like, I. Okay, I, we don't need to get into a whole like religious discussion. But like, oh, by I have all a lot means, of thoughts on that. By all means, let's do that. Um, but yeah, so and I think what I will say is what I think the reason this is here as the starting point for this movie is we will very quickly learn that the reason this team of scientists is at this island in the far reaches of the Pacific is because they're here to study the effects of radiation in the ocean. And the reason radiation um, is in the ocean is because that is where quite a lot of nuclear testing got done, was around, like, in Mm -hmm. and around Pacific islands and in the water and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think what this excerpt from the Bible is 
kind of meant to talk about is um, the same thing as when Oppenheimer, who is the guy who makes the nuclear bomb, well, it's not him alone, but he's a central figure in it. When they first start doing mm-hmm. the very first tests of the nuclear weapons, Oppenheimer also regrets what he has done. Um, and so there's this is a very nuclear age, I guess, kind of movie and moment mm-hmm. and thinking about like, you know, the the cost and price of our actions, right? Um, yeah. That, that's what this is setting up, I think, is like, um, because the crab monsters wouldn't exist. I think this is what they're saying anyway. Yeah, the crab I get monsters that. No, wouldn't I... exist if the radiation hadn't gotten in the water. And yep. so... Humans these, caused this. Humans cause it. Just like climate change. Yay. Um, and when... And we cause our own demise. Right. Basically. And when... And God, if we believe that the reason we're here is because of God, God then also repents his having made humanity in the first place when he sees what humanity does. Right? Like, <laughs> that's... Okay. That's what I think that's... is happening here. <laughs> Got it. That's a that's an indictment, it right? Is. Like it that, is bad. That, that that your creator would be like, I am so sorry. I made her. She is trash. It, I mean, it <laughs> you is. Know, like, it is the equivalent of having your parents say, "We should have aborted you." <laughs> like we, that is what it is. <laughs> but it's more. It's more. It's. I think it's more than that. It's like your parents being like, "I'm so sorry, God." Like. I have sinned for creating this abomination. <laughs> right, right. That is, yikes. It's, rude, God. It's rough. Rude. <laughs> um, now, even, like, so that's a very somber tone to start this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I didn't the, even remember it. I don't know that the movie matches that necessarily, Mm-mm. but it's intriguing. Um, yeah. And... I, and I suppose the fact that it's in this movie as the starting point suggests to me that Corman believed that people in the 50s would know what this was referring to. Like, mm-hmm. they know what that means. Whereas I had to look it up and be like, what is this? Like, where does this come from? Yeah. Um, but at the time, I guess we can infer that people probably would have known what it meant. Um, yeah. Then we come to a beach where a group of people have arrived on a small boat. Um, We learn that they're kind of in this remote uh, island space in the Pacific and that they're here for a rescue mission. Specifically, the team of scientists that were here before that had been sent to study radiation have all disappeared. They've not gotten any contact from them. It's (laughs) unclear like how long ago they went missing, but anyway, they're missing. And so they've been sent to figure out what is going on. Um, In the process... Okay. Sorry, no, I won't interrupt every single thing. No, that's fine. Just the concept of... If someone ever told you, hey, this group of people, not just one person, a group of people are all used to be somewhere and now they're not... They are missing. <laughs> Please go to that place where they all disappeared from. Yes. And try to figure it out. Yes. I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, am I 
crazy? Um, that's stupid. I mean, yes, I I would like to think that I would not go either. Um, but if one person went missing, maybe. But like yeah. a full group. That seems like there's a pattern. <laughs> well, and as well, but I mean, we know this already though, right? Like that's such a trope in yeah. all of these that like, yeah. this is a setup for many a subsequent horror film, which is like, of course, someone yeah. has gone missing in the woods. Someone has gone missing in the ocean. Someone has gone Very missing true. in space. Someone, you know, wherever they are, then we need to send Very out true. a second group of people to figure out what's happened to them. Um, That's true. So this is, so here we are. Um, the, the main team of scientists gets off at the beach and then starts walking up to the weird house that they're going to be living in. Meanwhile, some sailors are unloading materials off the boat to the shore. And in the process of this, one of the sailors falls off the boat into the water and immediately gets pulled down into the water um and then when they pull him back up what do we see <laughs> his head was bitten off correct his head or well his head i is mean gone his head is just gone i would say because it's clearly a mannequin that they've pulled up out of the water <laughs> um without a head um yeah but so I guess this goes back to what I was saying before of like how Corman insisted that there be an action thing in every scene. Mm-hmm. So already someone's gotten their head bitten off. Um, <laughs> and then a bit later, the remaining sailors are setting up camp on the beach. And we get a bit of foreshadowing in that they've got a bunch of grenades in that with them, and they also notice some baby crabs on the shoreline. Oh yeah. Um, up at the house, and it is like I was laughing a bit about this because it the whole movie. I mean, I know Corman kind of famously tried to save money and stuff, but like. I was like, this looks like they're just shooting at somebody's house. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't really, like, follow. Yeah, I didn't really follow, like, where they were quite or, like, what. I knew they were there doing research about, like, the radiation and all that stuff. But, like, yeah, I was wondering, like, is this an inhabited island? Is this, like. I think not. Okay, so why does this house even exist there? Because I think they even said that the house was kind of new. It's like a research station that the previous team had been sent to. Um, Okay. And I guess probably we can infer, because it is true, like the Pacific has a bunch of super tiny, unpopulated islands. And so Mm -hmm. they probably were like, oh, this is a great spot to set up to do research about the effects of radiation on the thing. Sure. And so now let's build like a research station and a place for people to be so that they can do it. Um, up at the house, this is where Dr. Sunglasses um, <laughs> really makes his mark. Cause like it didn't mm. seem weird that he was in sunglasses. sunglasses. Like it didn't seem weird that he was in sunglasses at the beach. Like that was sure. fine. 
but then it's this like whole group of them huddled around the front door of the house, like on the outside. They haven't gone in yet. Yeah. And they're talking in like hushed tones and everyone else looks normal. And then there's this guy who is like easily a half head taller than everyone <laughs> looking down at everyone. He's in like the center of the screen wearing a trench coat and sunglasses. And I was like, what? I is even feel this? like there was. <laughs> I even feel like there was a moment where, like, he looked right, like, they had a shot where he looked right into camera with his sunglasses and, like, that said a line into camera. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I can't remember what it was, but I feel like there was a moment like that where I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, well, it might have been the line because then Hank, Hank comes up because he's been watching the unloading of the boat. He's somehow, like, the captain of the sailors or something or, like, that. I don't mm-hmm. totally get it. But he comes up and he's like whispering and he's like, a guy just came out of the water without a head. And everyone was like, oh, no, <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> like, hmm, that's not what you want. And then, and I can't remember who says this, but it could be this is when he, when Dr. Sunglasses looks straight down the camera because they're talking about the previous group and someone says that not even a fingernail was left of the previous team. Like, that they, there is no evidence that they were ever there. Um, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, it's not good. And then there's also another line where somebody set, notices that there aren't any animal sounds on the island, and then that's also concerning. So that could have also been when Dr. Sunglasses Maybe. was doing it. But... Um, we, so again, like going back to this kind of like there has to be action or suspense in every scene. I guess that's, that's both, right? Like that's notifying mm-hmm. about the dead guy and being like, and now there's these two <laughs> different clues about something bad mm-hmm. having happened. Um, then down at the beach, we get the first of a series of different earthquakes, um, which then causes a rock slide Um, but anyway, the team of scientists come back down to the beach. Oh wait, yeah, that's right. They come back down to the beach, um, to kind of see off the sailors who have dropped them off. And they, and that's when we learn that this team of scientists is there to investigate the disappearance of the previous team, as well as the side effects of radiation from the different nuclear testing that has happened in the water and around these particular Pacific islands. Mm-hmm. As they're watching, so like, I didn't realize this until we see it. So they, the tiny boat that they're on that has unloaded their stuff isn't coming from a bigger boat. It's coming from a seaplane that's like further out oh. in the water. And so like the sailors okay. take the little, the sailors who aren't gonna stay there, take the dinghy or the whatever back to the plane and then the whole team is standing on the beach watching them take off in the seaplane, mm-hmm. which unfortunately then blows up right as it's taking off. Now, does that have something to do with the crab monsters? I know we haven't seen them yet, but like, are we to uh, believe they I, have done that? I feel that in retrospect... We How are does a crab monster to... blow up a plane? I don't know. Like they I fuck mean, up the engine? 
they I don't eat know. something while it's on because the water or something? That's a really good point because when we later learn about their various skills, blowing things up doesn't seem to be one of them. <laughs> I mean, it would it does it doesn't quite compute with a crab monster, but like they again, they can speak. So they can like, speak, and they do supposedly damage the radio deliberately later. So maybe they have more maybe technological they have electronic. Expertise, man. They are. (laughs) They are good, (laughs) indeed. Um, So they're so the team is horrified, but of course now they're really stuck there. Like they can't really do anything about it. Back up at the house, um, Hank is trying to use the radio to let the Navy know that these people have died. But yeah. the radio's not working because there's also a big storm. Of course um, there's a storm. Of course there's a storm. Uh, we do also in this interchange learn that they are somewhere near enough to Manila or Samoa um, to catch little snippets of just commercial radio being broadcast out oh, of those okay. spaces. Mm. Um, barring anything else that they can do, the group decides that they're going to go over the, like, journals that the previous team has left behind. That's, like, I guess the only thing that is left behind from them. Mm-hmm. And in the reading of that, they discover that the previous team had found some kind of evidence that would suggest that the island had a worm that would be about five feet long. and. Gross. Indeed, and that it was basically indestructible. Um, also gross. Yeah, not great. Um, but that's, oh, I'm remembering now. Now Hank, Hank, who is also the professor in Gilligan. Uh-huh. He's saying, well, a five-foot worm, that sounds pretty bad. And then Martha pipes up and says, oh, there's all kinds of sea worms that are even longer than that. And I was like, huh, God, huh. Gross. <laughs> like, I don't want to. I don't ever want to swim in the ocean again. Like, no. It's really not. It's really not a good idea to swim yeah. in the ocean. <laughs> there's yeah. so much shit in there that you don't want coming near you. I don't, I don't even want to, like, yeah, be in the same body of water Here's what I'll say. some of this stuff. No, I would rather a crab monster than a giant worm. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Personally. Yeah. Um, then there's another earthquake um, that doesn't seem to do much of anything. Later that night, uh, they notice that the lab rats that they've brought... Now, this is another thing that I find a bit weird, like, and is probably a budget problem... This is a team of scientists who say that they're going to be doing these researches and investigations for a month, and they've brought two mm-hmm. lab rats. <laughs> I'm like, I feel you would need more than that. Yeah. Um, right, because what if they died? Well, I mean, surely they would <laughs> die from right? something if yeah, they're doing testing, on- testing to do with radiation and stuff in particular. You yeah, true. quite a lot. Um the lab rats, however, are freaking out, um, and then there's this like strange cracking sound that is happening all around the house. 
um, when they go out to explore, they realize that it's just a branch that has been rubbing across the like the side of the house or whatever. And so again, it's like, oh, that's a relief. That's not like that's not a giant crab monster attacking us. It's just a branch. Um, the next day, Martha and chest hair go scuba diving. Um, <laughs> this is when I started calling him chest hair because I didn't know what his actual name was. Um, I like it. But, and this is actually kind of a longish scene of watching first Martha and then chest hair doing scuba diving. Um, yeah. It, like, I was surprised at how long this scene was. It, like, it was easily 90 seconds or more of just... And, like, what was funny about this one, too, is, like, I was like, I think something's supposed to be happening that's kind of scary, but I can't tell what it is. Like, it was just watching... Mm-hmm these two people scuba dive and it's like, I mean, this is kind of nice, <laughs> like, but I'm not getting much from it. Yeah. But then when they get out of the water, I guess like that's meant to like retroactively create the tension because Martha says that she had gotten disoriented under the water because she had been using a big rock as like her reference point, And then the rock had disappeared. And I was like, Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, And then there are even more crabs on the beach than there were the day before. And then they also find a 50-foot pit that wasn't there the day before on the beach. Um, Not So that seems bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although, honestly, at that point, I would just be like, it's a sinkhole? Like... You know, yeah, we don't know. Um, that evening, while everyone is asleep, Martha starts hearing a disembodied voice. <laughs> yes, um, here we go. <laughs> yeah, and the voice keeps telling her to awaken, awaken, <laughs> um, and it also like asks for her help. Um, when she does wake up and go outside the house, she runs into Jim, who has also heard the same voice. Um, and then I guess they both perceive it as having spoken only to them directly. Yeah. Um, Uh so they, of course, decide to go investigate, which you should never do. Um, Stupid idiots. <laughs> there, there is no reason for investigation, is what I'll say. There's no reason. No, for if you're it. on a deserted island and you hear a disembodied voice call your name and tell you to awaken, just let your life come to an end <laughs> <laughs> because it's not gonna go well from there. <laughs> I mean, and as we know from Harry Potter, this is like the only advice that I think is genuinely of use to anyone, anywhere, in any time. If you hear a voice that is not connected to a mouth or a brain that you can mm-hmm. see, you're in trouble. You need... Absolutely. You need... And don't listen Your medication... To it also. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't... Part one, don't listen. 
Part two, <laughs> seek out psychiatric care. Yeah. Part three, if you have gone off your meds and this is the context in which you are hearing a voice, really don't listen and really get back on those meds. Like, um, yep. that is just a bit of free advice. I will call it. <laughs> I won't call it medical advice because I don't want us to get sued, but like if you are hearing a voice that is not connected to another entity that you can see, something's gone very wrong and you just yeah. can't. Unless you're to listening it. to a podcast. Other well, than that's that. true. That's true. <laughs> you can't see us you, like you can't see us. I promise we have to bodies. This. But yes, there is evidence online that we exist as human women <laughs> with bodies attached. Um, <laughs> and besides, we're not telling anyone to like do anything. That's either. true. I guess that's, that's the thing. If it's just fun for you to hear a disembodied voice and all it's saying is like, did you do hey, the laundry up? yet today? You know, like that, I guess, is okay. Like, if you want to keep that going. But if it's like telling you something dangerous, then do not listen to it. Um, but in this case, Jim in particular is really jazzed about investigating. And so he goes down to the pit um, and wants to figure out what's going on. This is like, I guess, the next day because, or no, maybe, yeah, I guess it is. Um, so as he's climbing down the rope to get to the bottom of the pit there's another earthquake and we hear this like crackling clicking noise again um and when Jim gets down to the bottom or no that's because like Martha faints and the team finds her at the top of the pit Jim is missing he screams up to them saying that his legs are now both broken because of the earthquake, basically, because that threw him to the ground mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And they decide they're going to attempt a rescue, but Dr. Sunglasses says <laughs> that they need to move very quickly in their efforts to recover Jim. And, but he's cryptic. He doesn't really say why it has to happen so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, while Dr. Sunglasses and Hank and maybe a couple other people are trying to save Jim, Martha and Chest Hair are back up at the house and Martha mm -hmm. is rereading the journals left by the previous team and they get attacked by a giant crab I think, um, though I'm not totally sure it, how it happens because yeah. then they're kind of cutting back and forth to like the attempts at rescuing Jim and chest hair and Martha getting stuck in the house, being attacked by a crab that they have yet to reveal. So it's very similar to like the jaws thing, right? Like we're not going to show the, the monster straight away. Um, yeah. So, for example, Martha and Chest Hair discover that whatever has attacked the house has eaten both lab rats. Um, their radio to communicate with the outside has been deliberately destroyed. Um, and then they're also, so fucked. 
Yeah, and then night falls, so that's when Dr. Sunglasses says, like, we've got to call off this search for Jim, because even though some people do go down into the bottom of the pit, they can't find him, which would also be, to me, a big red really flag. disturbing. <laughs> I'm like, the guy said he broke both of his legs. He should be right at the bottom of that rope. Like, yeah, where is he going to go? Yeah, else he should like, be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next day, after the loss of Jim and the attack on the house by something... We see that there's a giant hole that's been cut out of the wall of the house. Um, and we don't know what has left that there. Um, they've also somehow figured out, and I can't quite remember how they figured this out, that the creature, whatever it is, doesn't like electricity. Um, mm. And that's why it seems to attack at night, I guess, as well. Um but then Martha, while looking through the giant hole in the wall, she's like, wasn't there a mountain there yesterday? <laughs> and they're all like, God. oh, I guess there was. Um, so the mountain has disappeared. And this goes back to like that IMDb description. So the island is also disappearing as they're getting increasingly attacked by monster crabs. And... It's not good. No, it's a bad scene. Dr. Sunglasses, at this point, is sure that all of these various seemingly random events are connected, but he's not yet sure how they are connected. Um, mm-hmm. But he's, he's got a lot of sense of foreboding. Um, this, the next day, they then attempt again to look for Jim um, in this series of, like, so, like, the, the pit and the rock slide that creates the pit then opens up a series of tunnels down below. So, they're looking through the tunnels as well to see if they can find Jim. They cannot. Um, as they are in the tunnel, there's another earthquake and a bit of a cave-in. So, Jules, the French guy, gets his hand, like... Cleanly sliced off by a rock, which I find interesting. Um, Yikes. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, shit, they actually cut off his hand. I didn't expect that. But, like, um, <laughs> I also just was like, if some if my hand, if I was in a cave-in, my hand wouldn't get cut off by a rock. It would just be smashed to bits by a rock. Right. Like, but in this case, I guess maybe Corman just wanted this this shot of the bloody stump, which we got. Um, (laughs) And the sailors, the kind of two nameless sailors who are also on this island to just up the body count, they come rushing in after Jules has gotten his hand cut off, and they say that the island is now starting to disappear into the sea, Um, which is not great. That's a problem. They are I would so be, screwed. I would be more concerned about that, I think, than a crab monster. Because I'm like, as yeah. long as there's land upon which to exist, we can hopefully have a chance of dealing with this crab monster. Figure something out, yeah. Once there's no more island and I am just floating in the water with a crab monster, I think my chances are significantly death. limited. <laughs> Um, yeah. 
then the sailors, again, this is just a body count thing. The sailors are sit, are down in their tent on the beach and playing cards and they get attacked by an as yet unidentified monster up at the house. Jules, mm-hmm. who's lost his hand, is laying in bed being cared for by Martha. He then starts to hear voices as well. Um, oh, man. Yes. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. Oh, no, 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 no. Not yet. Um, so he thinks what he's hearing is the missing guy Jim's voice calling out to him and so Jules gets up out of bed and stumbles outside whereupon he gets attacked by a giant claw um Martha hears Jules is screaming outside um and comes out to figure out what's happened but Jules is now missing then the whole team starts to hear, quote-unquote, Jules's voice talking mm-hmm. to them. Uh, talking to them psychically, I guess? I don't totally know. Um, and he says he'll be back tomorrow. Upon this revelation, Dr. Sunglasses says that the person that they knew as Jules is most assuredly dead but that his voice and memory continue to exist. And it's unclear what he means by that. How does he know that? And how does he know that? I mean, I think he's making a lot of surmisements. He seems to be right, though, in the end, I think. He is right. I mean, I will say this. Dr. Sunglasses (laughs) seems to know what is happening before other people know what's happening. And then, like, like, Dr. Sunglasses maybe is, like, one of the crab monsters. Well, he becomes one of them, as we'll soon see. But, like, he also... Because in this part of the movie, I think what we're supposed to get is that he has figured it out, but for whatever reason, he's not telling the others. Yeah, why the hell isn't he telling them? I don't know. That's, really stupid. I don't know if he thinks it's, like, shielding them from something bad, which I guess maybe it is, or... If yeah, but you're on a damn shrinking island. I know that is literally like, imploding into the sea with giant crap. If I here's the thing. Here's what I'll say. If I was on an island with other people and the island was disappearing and crab monsters were there and they knew that information and were somehow withholding it from me, I hate them more than I hate the crab <laughs> monsters. <laughs> How Indeed. dare you? Indeed, I don't. I mean, I don't know what perhaps Dr. Sunglasses thinks is going to be gained by keeping this information, but maybe he thinks that were he to tell, that would create panic of some kind. Um, Sure. And that might be the case, like, if we're talking about an island full of people, or we're talking about, like, the general population... Fine. We're talking about, like, your colleagues who are there to discover the same thing you are. That's One true. of them is now dead. I don't know. It's just that's yeah. wild. But I, 
fair. I, I agree that Dr. Sunglasses could have been a bit more forthcoming. He fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next day, they come down to the beach to discover that the sailor's tent is empty and there isn't even any bones left or anything of them. Um, and this is when Dr. Sunglasses says rather cavalierly that they've been eaten. Though, again, not clear by what. Um, (laughs) I will be like, excuse me, what? Why are we assuming that? What are you saying? (laughs) Like, if if there are no bones left, why, like, who's to say they didn't just get lost somewhere on the disappearing island? No, if, if the first thing... Okay, if you're in a movie called Attack of the Crab Monsters, but you are in the movie and don't know that's the title of the movie, and someone disappears, and the first thing someone says is they've been eaten, I'd be like, what in the fuck makes you think that? Why? That seems like a very big jump. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen any crab monsters yet, or at least any of them haven't, right? they have not. Yeah. They have not. But for whatever reason, Dr. Sunglasses already knows or has a strong suspicion. That is weird. And they're all like, okay. Meanwhile, <laughs> back up at the house, the voice of Jules comes back and tells them to come meet him in the caves. And they agree for some insane reason. They're, they're um, kind of dumb, too. Yeah. Uh, they when they get down into the like the cave and the tunnels, um, they hear this cracking, clicking noise again, and finally we get a reveal of what the crab monster looks like. It comes up kind of out of the cave. Um, do you want to attempt to describe what the crab monster looks like? Well, it looks like a. Paper mache mm-hmm. crab rendering, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it's just giant. Yes. Or like yeah, it also has, blown up to look giant. Yeah, it also has like googly, googly cartoon eyes, eyes on it. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Which adds a bit of hilarity that I'm not sure if it's meant to be there or not. Um, It's also funny to imagine that, like, probably there's a person underneath there who's, like, moving it around. Yeah, I wonder how they did that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they must have had to do something like that. Um, When the crab emerges in the cave, they all try various attempts at killing it. They try to shoot it. They try to blow it up with grenades they have. Um, Dr. Sunglasses is able to take one of the claws as a sample. When another crab comes out from a different part of the cave, uh, they run away. This is when supposed Jules, but Jules' voice says that he's quite upset at their behavior, um, you know, and that he's going to punish them for it, basically. Um, Back up at the house, Dr. Sunglasses has been working on this claw sample that he has obtained, and he learns that um, there is... 
how would I put it? No cohesion between the atoms of the claw. And what does that mean? I mean, it it is nonsense. There is no way that this would okay. be a thing. But I but the way it <laughs> exists in the movie is that this is the result of crabs being exposed to radiation. And mm-hmm. basically, like what what it means in the most straightforward technical sense and for those of you listening who might actually be physicists, I apologize for the butchery <laughs> that I am going to make of this. If there whole is thing. a physicist listening, that would actually would be, be hilarious. I would be pleased as much. But even just someone who knows more about science and atoms than I, I apologize for what I'm about to say. <laughs> but basically, what I take it to mean is that while the crab has the shape and form of a crab, and to our eyes looks much like any other crab would except for the fact that it's giant. The fact that its atoms Mm -hmm. no longer cohere means that every single atom in the crab is effectively its own like entity as well. And so like you can cut off its claw, but that doesn't matter because... For example, it won't bleed because each atom is its own thing. So, like, you're just slicing. It's as if, like, I don't know, like, it's as if you're slicing through air almost if you cut off mm-hmm. its claw um, because the atoms will just okay. reconstitute around that breakage. Like, it doesn't matter. Okay. That's what I, I think they're trying to say here. and Because the whole point okay. is... What Dr. Sunglasses says is like, this is the result of radiation. And what it means is that the creature can't die. It can't be hurt because none of its pieces are connected to to the rest. So it doesn't actually Mm. need any of them to survive. And I guess it can also regenerate anything that is missing as well. Oh, it's like Wolverine. I guess. I mean, but no, he, he. I don't think I don't. He wasn't affected by radiation. He just had no. A I healing forget ability. what his stupid. Right, I forget what his backstory is. There may be some sort of radiation thing that made him. Yeah, mean, maybe there but is. I can't remember. I can't. But I thought. I think most of the time, an X. I can't remember the backstory. I think most X Men are just a genetic Mutant. mutation rather than yeah. being caused by like they're not like. You know, like Spider-Man or something. Where right, like, I right, you're fell right. into a radioactive vat. I think in most cases they're born a particular way with a ter- certain I think he does get his, like, Wolverine. Yeah I, yeah, I think you're right. But I think maybe he does get those, like, the his knives added to him That's at some right. Point. No, because his, his actual talent is healing. Regeneration. Yeah. Healing, yeah. But then some horrible guy was like, how about I put knives in your body and then you can <laughs> heal from that. And it's like, wow, that's a real leap, dude. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, much like this, where Dr. Sunglasses is like, this crab cannot be harmed because its atoms aren't connected to each other. Um, yeah, that's But a also, apparently, as a result of this same thing, when the crab 
assimilates something into it, a.k.a. eats people, it <laughs> then assimilates Takes on their, their memories and their talents mm. and, like, whatever. So I guess technically, like... Wait a second. What if someone was, like, a really good dancer? Does this crab, like, become a dancer? Does this crab so. start, like, singing? Sure. Oh, my God. The crab's going to do a soft shoe dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Can you imagine man. if they did that? If they I like added that in, it. it had like a top hat and a cane, yeah. and it like the did only, a little dance. I would want to see it tap dance. I would want to see it roller skate. Um, <laughs> I would want to see it ride a bike. All that mm-hmm. stuff is there for the taking. I think that's in the sequel. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Um, I think even Roger Corman would be like, "That's too cheesy, even for me." <laughs> um, And so, anyway, somehow, because of this, like, lack of atomic cohesion, it can assimilate all of the things that it consumes. Um, And so it then has the brain, like, the brain power and the memories of these people that it's consumed. Um, I also don't Mm -hmm. know, but I guess this maybe could be implied. I'm like, so then can the crab just grow and grow? Like, could a crab then become... The size of Texas, or like, can it That's just get a problem. bigger and bigger? Because it, as it like consumes more stuff, would it just get bigger and bigger? And that I don't know. Right. Um, what we also Horrifying. learn, <laughs> I know. What we also learn at this point is that unfortunately, that second crab that came out in the last attack is a female. And she also has the coloration that indicates she's pregnant. Um, So then it's like, oh, no, there's going to be, like, literally, like, dozens and hundreds of these monster crabs coming. Um, But this is when they learn, like, Hank is doing some futzing with the claw. And then it gets disintegrated with electricity. Like, it gets turned into ash by electricity. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, we're going to set a trap for these crabs and nip this in the bud uh, before they get out into, like, the wider (laughs) world. Um, Hank and Martha are tasked with setting up the trap down in the cave. Um, They also have a weird bit of romantic tension, which I didn't really understand why this was happening at this late stage in the movie, (laughs) Um, particularly because I was like... got to add something here. Well, because at this point, I was like, I thought Martha was married to chest hair. And so then I was like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't expect a movie from the 50s to have like a, like an infidelity B story showing up. Like, mm. um, but we'll they're learn. they're just polyamorous. Well, or that. Um, and let's face it, Amy, I don't <laughs> know joking. that I see a lot joking, of polyamory cause... in the 1950s material. <laughs> I'm joking. I'll say that. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'd be like, wow, this is progressive. I, I wouldn't even know what I'd be seeing at that point. I'd be like, I can't <laughs> even process this. Um, so the, in the midst of them setting up the traps, the crab wakes up, they run away. Back up at the house, Hank has been able to fix the radio. And I can't remember, they sort of imply that he's at least tried to get the word out of what is happening on the island. Um, 
as this is happening, the rest of the team is standing outside the house watching the island just disappear into the sea. Um, Martha and Hank continue to flirt in this moment. Um, and that's when she, it's revealed that like, even though she and chest hair are very close and maybe even engaged question mark, she does clarify mm-hmm. that they are not married yet. And so I guess this flirtation is then fine. Um, then now, because basically now the, the island is falling into the sea. There's a variety of different earthquakes and Dr. Sunglasses and chest hair realize that this has then revealed crude oil on the island. Um, and they want to go f- like investigate the oil rivulets or whatever for reasons I don't entirely understand what they think that's going to do. Meanwhile, so then chest hair goes down into the tunnel again um, along with Dr. Sunglasses and then unfortunately Dr. Sunglasses is zapped by the trap that he has made that's supposed to catch the crab Mm-hmm. Um, chest hair is able to escape barely with his life. Dr. Sunglasses is eaten by the crab. And this is what I have in my outline as Martha, Dale and Hank watch in horror. Um, <laughs> then in an effort to get away, chest hair, uh, throws his lighter into the like rivulet of oil and there's a big fire down in the cave slash tunnel, which allows the last remaining humans to get away for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. They all know when they're back up in the house, they all know that that fire will eventually go out. And so like the fire is keeping the crab from leaving the cave at the moment. So they're safe for mm-hmm. now. But what I don't understand is if the crab is indestructible, what does it matter if it goes through fire. Yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't seem like there's much they can do. No, because they've tried to shoot it. They've tried to blow it up. They've tried to zap it. Nothing has happened. Um, but and it can regenerate. Like- yeah. Yeah, so they need to get off the island. Um, Hank yeah. is again on the radio calling for help. Now Dr. Sunglasses' voice comes out and tries to talk to them and mocks them and basically says <laughs> that as the crab, he's planning, quote, an assault on the world of men. Um, Yikes. Yeah, not great. Uh, I don't, again, it's not clear why this crab is so angry. So mad. Um, but I guess it's because... We've eaten them. <sighs> We've eaten We've them. We've fished them. We fish them. Maybe it's also a bit like um, I, mean, I didn't ask to humanity. be born. Yeah, well, a lot of humanity have treated animals and smaller beings than us very unfairly. Sure. And so the day they become bigger, we are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, I suppose. So like when cats become human-sized, we better watch out. Oh, yeah, it's called a tiger. It will eat you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Um, I guess <laughs> if our cats, if my cats were the size of a tiger or a, a lion, we'd be dead for sure. <laughs> I mean, like they like us and all, but I think they would retaliate. Fair enough. That's concerning. Yikes. Um, <laughs> but like, I guess what it might be as well is like the crab exists because humans made nuclear bombs. And so Mm -hmm. the crab, like the quote at the start, is like, you guys are terrible and it's my job. Like, I didn't ask to be here. My existence is suffering. Your fault. Yeah. It's because of you. And so I am going to kill you all (laughs) as a result. Yeah. Um, At this point... There's another giant earthquake. The whole island basically has now fall. It like doesn't really exist. Um, Martha, Chest Hair, and Hank climb up some remaining rocks as high as they can, and they're now kind of left near the radio tower. Um, and they have some remaining grenades, which they uselessly throw at the crab. I don't know why they do it. They already <laughs> have tried this a number not giving of times, up on this. And it didn't work any of the times. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, Hank gets attacked by the crab um, and is kind of drawing it away from Chest Hair and Martha. And in the Mm -hmm. end, Hank sacrifices himself. He climbs up onto the radio tower and then basically, like, knocks the radio tower down so that it lands on the crab and, I guess, kills it because it's electricity and that's seemingly the only thing thing. that can kill it. Um, And so Hank sacrifices himself. And I was surprised, like... This movie ends extremely abruptly. It's very, yes. I started, like, because I watched it on YouTube, and I was like, why are the, like, um, you know, sometimes when you watch on YouTube, like, the, it, like, the next, like, the in, um, the in-video, oh, whatever's like, coming up next, like, next. goes onto yeah. the screen. Yeah, and I was like, wait, why is, this is, they're, like, actively still screaming. Why is this, like, coming up <laughs> on the thing already? Yeah, because it that, is, yeah, like. I thought so, too. They, like, hug, and then I think the final line of the movie is Chester saying he sacrificed himself, and then it was, like, the end. And I was like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's we it. We don't get like, any type of resolution, like, if they will survive or not. Right. Like, like we didn't, not even a I shot. guess we assume they do? I, we don't know. That's the whole thing is, like, Ish. we don't even, normally you would expect, if you wanted to give your audience hope, you would have a shot of a boat or a plane, like, coming, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. In this case, we don't Nothing. get that. And then as well, I'm now realizing Hank killed the male crab, but the female crab who was pregnant with babies... Who's effing pregnant. She's still oh, yeah, they're alive, fucked. I think? Yeah, they're fucked. It's a very weird choice. I'll say. Um, and that's the movie. The end. Movie over. Um, yeah, it's it's been a ride. Um, so now, yawns and eye rolls, as always. Uh, one yawn is, this was like edge of my seat entertainment. I, and I, I was totally engaged. 
And then Tenyon's is like, absolutely not. I struggled to keep my eyes open. What would you give it? Hmm. Well, it was short. So it was like, I think if it had been a lot longer, I might have started to struggle. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was entertaining and all, but... You know, it, some of it was, it's very, it is quite dated. <laughs> um, but sure. I think I would say like maybe four. Okay. All right. That's Something like good. that. Yeah. I would yeah. say I was pretty engaged. I would go even as low as a two. Like there was some stuff I think maybe could have been done differently. But for the most part, I was into it. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll <laughs> being. Um, yeah, I bought into this world completely. (laughs) Uh, and 10 eye rolls being like, absolutely, I did not. Um, what would you give it? Hmm. That's hard because like, I do tend to like to buy into, um, crazy stuff like this. Um, because, like, obviously, science-wise, we know this probably couldn't happen. <laughs> or I, I think we can say it definitely couldn't happen. Um, yeah. But is it fun? Like, do, it, do I, like, go on the journey of a movie like this? Like, it's called Attack of the Crab Monsters. Like, I'm in. Like, I pretty much mm. buy it. I forget your <laughs> scale already, though. So, <laughs> so one, one was, is, like... Of course I buy into it. And oh, 10 yeah, is yeah. like, absolutely, I do not. Yeah, I think like three. I pretty mm. much buy into it. I mean, are mm. there crazy parts of it? Sure. Um, but pretty much like I'll go on a journey sure. in, in a movie like this because I think it's maybe it's not self-aware, but it's like they know what we're doing here. We're not doing realism per se. (laughs) No, no, this is not Ibsen. Like this is absolutely not. Um, yeah, I think I might agree with you. I think I'd give it a two or a three. Um, because I guess what I would say, what lends itself or what helps this movie be semi acceptable is that for all that I'm like, this is just some house, in Santa Barbara that they rented to have this movie in. (laughs) And they're taking shots along the coast and, like, this is, like, two sets max that they have. Like, um, because it's limited in scope, it's easier to, like, just be like, this is what it is. Okay. Sure. You know, um, if they were going for something They had a weekend to shoot the film. Yeah. They did it. They made a paper mache crab. What do you expect more than that? (laughs) That would have been a lot of work. Like, um, so yeah, I think it helps in that sense in terms of like the world building where it's like, this is very, all of it's very limited scope. And so if, if you were trying to like do more with less then it wouldn't work but it's like we're trying to do less with less yeah and so it's fine yeah um so ultimately did you like this movie and would you recommend it uh you know yeah I liked it fine it was fun it was a jaunt um, would I recommend it? Uh, <laughs> it'd be a pretty weird recommend. I feel like I would, it would have to be like 
someone looking for something strange, mm-hmm. it would be a strange one to just kind of be like, you should watch Attack of the Crab Monsters. But um, I don't think I would not recommend it, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Um, yeah. I don't know if, go, if I go out of my way to recommend it, but I, w- I would say if you're curious, if the title sparks interest, sure, it's on YouTube. It's easy to find. It's like, yeah. go for it. It's free. It's 65 it's fr- yeah. minutes or sure. whatever it is. Like, yeah. Give it a whirl. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I would say overall, I liked this. Um, and yeah, I guess I, I'm similar. Like I'd recommend it in the sense of like, there's a lot worse ways to spend an hour than watching this. Sure. <laughs> um, and that makes it sound as though this isn't quite as like that is as if I didn't like it. I did. Um, yeah. I, as I will say, it is no wasp woman, but it is still <laughs> in that realm and therefore kind of fun and funny to yeah. see. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, get out there, guys. Watch um, good old <laughs> Attack of the Crab Monsters. Maybe watch Not of This Earth, which was its double feature. Maybe watch yeah. The Undead, which quite a lot of the same actors appear in that movie. Um, that I assume, sound interesting. Yeah, I assume this will not be our last Roger Corman uh, vehicle, but definitely... <laughs> Though maybe I would say a broader like check out some Roger Corman stuff is maybe what I would yeah. say instead. Little Shop of um, Horrors, if you like yeah. something like this, Little Shop of Horrors, I do recommend. And I think that one is even in color. So yes. if that's a problem, if that's a barrier for some of you, um, yes. that one works better perhaps for you. So mm-hmm. well, congratulations! We found something we both liked compared to last <laughs> week where we both actively hated the thing. We were talking yeah, about. Yeah, bad news. <laughs> Last week was bad news. <laughs> so, as always, I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.